Pastor Bob was originally going to be gone the 10th, and uh, he originally asked Pastor Carla if she would speak. So I'm thinking, yay, I get out of it. Pastor Carla's going to do it. Well, Pastor Carla was, was busy, had a lot of things going on. She doesn't even have an office right now. So um, she moved it to the 30th, and uh, I ended up uh, getting placed to do it. Then, um, then a few weeks later, he talked to uh, Brent Walters about speaking, and he said, okay, I can do that. Something happened with work or whatever, and I see him right back here. Something must have happened again. <laughs> oh. You know, so it went from it went from from me not doing it to doing it to not doing it to doing it. So I take it as God has has as a word for somebody here. Uh, this is this is a message God laid on my heart a, a month ago, and um, it's actually a few different messages here that I've I've spoken to the youth over the last few weeks, and it's just been something God just laid on my heart. It's it's something that's so so crystal. Uh, I know it's from God, and it, I've put it together the best I can. Uh, first service, I was a little nervous. We started, uh, we were three men worship team up here, and I look out, and we had seven people set it on this side, and zero on this side, and people say, Pastor Zach, isn't that easier to, to speak to less people, isn't that less nerve-wracking? I said, not when, not when it's your entire wife's family sitting out there. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd rather take this than just the Allison family over here. My goodness. But in all seriousness, God is, he has taken me personally from glory to glory. And man, just the opportunities that I have the, to be up here, um, to be playing guitar how I am now. It, God is... God's been good, and he's, He just continues to bless me. It's amazing. Um, so about a month ago, God, God laid a word on my heart, and this entire message, it's, just, it's filled with words God's given me. It's filled with, with things I've listened to on the radio at the right time, things I've watched movies, and God just, I don't know, He's, he's speaking to me. And he's using, he's using the world around me to speak to me. And that's, that's possible for every single one of us if, if we're willing to listen. But about a month ago, God just spoke. And that word he gave me was failure. He just laid the word failure on my heart. And he began to show me things from my past where I've messed up before. And things where... I wish I would have probably done things differently, but you know, some say God wouldn't show you that, but I know He did. He was saying, you know, you're, you're forgiven, you're a new creation, you are who you are today because of those mistakes. And I look out here, being being young, and a lot of people, older generation in here, they could relate to what I'm talking with. First off, can everybody hear me? I'm not. I'm not going to say what generation says they can't hear me, but. It's the older generation. It's a mixture of me being soft-spoken and poor hearing. So I will do my best to try to speak louder. If not, maybe come to the front. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to compromise. I'm, I, I'm not going to go 
much further out here because this is my safe spot. All right? Man. But God laid the word failure on my heart and began to show me things. And he spoke this to me. He says, sometimes we have to fail before we can succeed. And sometimes we fail so we can understand success. You know, if we never learn from correction and mistakes, how can we ever know or how can we ever achieve success if we never go through failure? You know, it's sad, but the principle, the principle of correction, it no longer has a foundation in this country. The principle of correction. You know, the saying is, those who stand... Those who don't stand for anything will fall for anything. And, you know, I, last week I went out to eat with uh, one of my friends. Uh, it's been seven years since I spoke with him. Um, I really didn't know what he believed or anything. We had a different viewpoint on Facebook, whatever. And I wasn't going to argue with him there. I just asked, hey, do you want to go out to lunch? He accepted the invite. Didn't know what to expect. But can I, there's one thing, and I hope you guys can see this, but there's, there's a heavy demonic influence in this country right now. It's so heavy. This guy was sitting with me arguing that this country wasn't based on religious freedom. This country wasn't based on, on religious leaders. And I was talking about Abraham Lincoln's writings that are documented writings and has nothing to do with them. says they're all... They're falsified. George Washington's writings, his prayers that we've 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 heard. Our country's motto is "In God We Trust." Yes, that was sixty years ago and wasn't in the beginning. But there's a painting of there's a painting of Moses in the in the what's that called? The Supreme Court. The Pope spoke and he pointed to it. In our in our courtrooms. That's how I know there's a heavy demonic influence in this country when, when things are plain sight. People refuse to see it. National monuments full of, of in God we trust, full of just God prayers. Only a demonic influence can say that this country wasn't based on that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, our, our leaders now are demon-possessed. But what I'm saying is, there's a heaviness on this country. And if, 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 if we're not, if we don't know what this book says, we're going to be that wave tossed in the ocean. Man, there's, there's no correction anymore, Spiritually. Because being politically correct is more important than what God says. He told me, my friend told me that religious beliefs should stay out of politics. I don't see how I can if that's who you are. That's how I know. There's, there's, there's a demonic influence and we need to be alert with it. You know, the majority of people don't know what God says because they haven't made Him the number one priority in their life. 
to understand who Jesus is, we must first understand that He's literally, He's literally this Bible. He's literally the words in here. He's wanting to speak to you. He's wanting, he's wanting to speak to you. John 1, 1 through 5 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and that Word was with God, and that Word, said, and that word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It was even President Reagan that said, America is, is the city on a hill. It's, it's the city that's a light on a hill. But then again, people will overlook that. John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold His, His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. This Bible, it's Jesus. How cool is that? You know, sometimes when, when life gets overwhelming and the smallest things get blown out of proportion and I get all worked up. Even happened last night. God said, hey, come to me. Let me comfort you. This is Jesus right here. Put on some worship music. There is a mass blindness in this country and it will swallow you up so fast. We must stop compromising when the Holy Spirit tells our hearts to stop. How many has felt the Holy Spirit before? You know when it's something's of God. We write it off now. We, we call it your conscience. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. You know, this, this gospel, it's not just words. There's, there's power. There's power in this, Paul says. Power through the Holy Spirit with deep conviction. You know, I tell, I've told, tell the teenagers this, and I'm going to tell you guys. Satan, he's just a punk. He's just a punk. And what he wants to do is, he wants to beat you when you're already down. He doesn't want you to get back up. He wants, he wants you to be discouraged. Discouragement is his greatest tool against you. It's because he uses it the most. People feel, oh, I'm not worthy to go to church anymore. I'm not worthy for this. I'm not worthy for that. It's the ultimate lie. And people fall for it by the masses. You know, Satan, here's the thing, and we've got to understand this. And if we could get this part of my sermon today, Satan wants to attack you. He wants to attack you, wants to tempt you, and wants to put trials in your life right before something for God's kingdom can be proclaimed. What better way to distract you? What better way to distract you than throwing something your way? And sometimes these trials and these temptations and what we go through, Sometimes it's because we've ignored God and we've gone on and it's our consequences. Sometimes that's just life. God has more for you and He wants you to grow. 
Point number one, understanding success. To understand what it feels like to succeed, we must first understand what failure is. And I've said this before, it amazes me the people that graduate and they think they're just going to go on and succeed. I know that because I'm one of them. I thought once you graduate high school, you, you go off to college, you do your certain classes, whatever. I thought, for a fact, I'd just do this, 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 this. After college was over, I'd go off and go straight into a job. I've seen numerous people do that. I've seen people go off and they're like, yeah, I went to school. Then I, I realized, how the heck am I going to pay for this? Failure. We go through failure because it shapes who we are. You know, I look out here, I see one, just one person right now. When I started working at Overpass Pizza, there's actually a few people that, that come here now, there's probably four total. When I started there, um, that was my first full-time job. I worked other places, miscellaneous jobs. But getting in the routine of, of, of a restaurant business, it's, it's different. It's a lot different. Right, boss? Yep. <laughs> Richie was, he was my boss at Overpass. That's what I called him. B-W-O-S-S. Boss. <laughs> and... You can ask him. I started there. I didn't really know what I was doing. I wasn't one of those people that just wanted to set off and do nothing. I really did want to contribute. But it took about a year and a half, two years, to finally get in a routine to understand, to understand where every yield sign was in Covington, to understand where the best alleys were, best alleys to park from the cops when they turn the lights on you. probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Maybe 10 years from now, what be I don't know. Don't run from the cops or parking alleys. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, there you go. I said it. I'm not saying who, but we even have someone in this church who got a nickname 36. Cuz it took them 36 minutes to find the wine cellar. We don't have a wine cellar. <laughs> I will admit, I wasn't, I wasn't working that day. That I probably would have played along. <laughs> we go through silly things like that and we fail. But failure goes beyond just, you know, beyond just work. Failure goes... As far as our temptations, what when Satan's trying to distract us from something greater. You know, if you're if you're feeling if you're feeling deflated or, or guilty of failure, don't let Satan keep you down. Amen. We can't let Satan keep us down. Is Psalm seventy three twenty six says, My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. We've got to realize God's, God's our strength. 
There were times I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit college. And I know I only went two and a half years. But there's times I just wanted to quit. There's times I wanted to quit working at Overpass. That's going to be true in everything we do. We're going to want to quit, but I work for God. And I try to be a light that shines the best I can. And I'm not perfect by any means. I try to represent Him as best as I can. Now, we have to make Jesus number one priority in our lives. We have to really, we have to understand. He's the Bible. He's, he's the Word. You know, if anyone just feels, you know, beat up or your heart is heavy with conviction, you know, we've got to let go of that failure and we've got to replace it in time of prayer, time of praying for our friends, time of praying for our families, our communities, our churches. Because when we're, we're going through these trials, that's what Satan wants to distract you from. Pray for something and pray for it with meaning. Pray for it with a burden. Believe. Believe that God's going to do a change. First Samuel 12.22 says, For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you His people. I know this is talking, this is Old Testament. I know he's talking to the Israelites and the Jews. But we as Gentiles, we're adopted into his sonship. And we are his people, and he's not going to forsake us. Point number two, temptation. I think it's fair to say, how many of us have been tempted? First service, I said, thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. And some people are just like, I thought it was funny. but See, that's the trouble. You think something's funny up here, and you play it in your head, and then you say it, and you don't get the response. You're just kind of, oh, like, where was I in my notes? No, temptation's normal. We're humans. We live in a fallen world. James 1, 15-18 says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he, when he is drawn by his own desires and enticed. Then the, the, the desire is conceived. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I can't tell you how many times I've had, had teenagers come up to me and talk to me. Hey, Pastor Zach, I, I keep sinning. I keep, these thoughts keep popping up in my head. And I tell them, guys, that's, that's not a sin. The first initial thought that pops in your head is not a sin. It's what you do with those thoughts. Even, even adults I've talked to, some of my, uh, my friends' parents. Oh, I've got to go repent again. I've got to go repent again. Because their thought pops in their head and they think it's a sin. The, the thought might be of sinful nature, but it's not sinful until you act upon it. All right, I saw this on Facebook, and it's a really cool illustration. So this isn't my thing. And it's, if I have to say this, or it's plagiarism. So. Our thought process, we think with our mind, right? And we don't want it to enter into our heart. When we think something that's in our mind, that initial thought's not the sin. Because it's not in our heart yet. That's not, that's not who we are. We're, by, by nature, we're sinful. 
Where does, this, where does the thought have to travel through to get to our heart? That thought has to, go, has to go through your mouth. It goes right through here. And God gave us a tongue, and He gave us authority through the Holy Spirit. There's power. Like I said, it's not just, the gospel isn't just words. It comes with power through the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction, and we can pray in those times of trials before it enters into our heart. Amen. You know, God gives us, He gives us fruit of the Spirit. He gives us self-control. He gives us the ability to choose that. Let's look how Jesus dealt with temptation. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. I joke with the kids and I tell them, Jesus probably looked like me after he was done fasting for 40 days or 40 nights. Now, I, could joke, I could joke about my size how thin I am, and, you know, Pastor Bob could joke about... (laughs) I didn't say... He says it. Let's leave it at that. Verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but the very word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear up, bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. I don't think Satan knew a little bit of the Bible, but I think he missed the part where Jesus is the Word. Jesus kind of had an advantage here because he's the word and he's quoting scripture. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and you worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him, and only shall, shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came, and they ministered to him. How did Jesus deal with temptation? He quoted Scripture. And yes, Jesus, Jesus had a clear advantage here, because he is the Scriptures. But you know what? That should make us want to know him that much more. That's why we should want to read this that much more. If Jesus did that, and we're supposed to be like Christ, why would we not want to know what this says? Amen. Point number three. We've got to be, we've got to be lovers of God and, and not of this world. And it's, what a crazy time to be alive. First John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and it's not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, 
and the lust of it, that he who does the will of God abides forever. In this next scripture I'm getting ready to read, it's one we've all heard, it's one we all know, but if you guys can understand it the way I'm going to explain it, the way I'm going to say it, it's going to make so much more sense. And that's James 1, 2-5. Does everybody know where this is going? No? Good, we'll read. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. We've all heard that verse before. Think of it this way, though. Remember when I said something for God's kingdom is right around the corner? I said something for God's kingdom is right around the corner. And when we're tempted and we're going through these, these trials, we know something for God's kingdom is right around the corner. That's why we can be joyful. All we've got to do is resist. We've helped with, with help of praying with the Holy Spirit, with power. And with, with, with that power, people are going to be drawn to you and there's going to be a deep conviction. Friends like my atheist friend I went out with, one day, hopefully I pray, it's not going to be anything I say, but it's how I live my life and there's just a deep conviction because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Has anyone ever seen my office? Been in my office? I got superhero posters and stuff in there. My favorite is Captain America. I I'm not a Superman fan. I don't like Superman. I like back the you know the Christopher Reeves, but the new I'm not a big fan of the new movies. I I put that movie on the other. This was a while back. I don't know why I put it on, because I don't even like it. And I wasn't even watching. I began to just kind of fast forward through it. And it wasn't until the next day why I knew why I put that movie in. Has anybody ever just done something? You're just like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just doing it. I just put that movie in. I just started fast forward. And there were certain parts that I needed to hear. I was, I was, on, my way to, I was on my way to work. And I was just, I was just praying. It was, like, it was the day after uh, the Indiana uh, voting or whatever, and you know Trump got it. And I was like, Lord, there's no hope. <laughs> we've got, we got Bernie, we've got Hillary. Now we got Trump. We were supposed, we were supposed to be the deciding factor. God, there's no hope. And I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. I'm seeing, I'm seeing all these Black Lives Matter things of people blocking streets and protesting, shooting cops. What is going on in this world? God, there's no hope. The world's too big for me. And God spoke to me. And that's why I put this, that, that movie in. There's a scene when, when, when Superman was beginning to get his powers. He, was beginning to get, he had his x-ray vision. He was seeing things. He was beginning to hear a lot better. And he ran off into a closet and he put himself down till his, till his mom came. And I thought this part of the movie was so stupid and cheesy. But you know, God, God turned it into something for, for me, for today. He goes, the world's too big, mom. 
She said, we'll make it smaller. And instantly, when I was praying, this world's too big. I can't do anything. God said, make the world smaller. Make it smaller in your youth ministry. Make it smaller in your church. Make it smaller in your community. Mm. That's how, that's how we change the world. We make it smaller. We make it smaller in our communities. <laughs> Do you guys know that the world changed with 12 men? Think of that. Man, God again, he spoke to me again. He just speaks to me when I'm driving sometimes. I get to my quiet time. I just drive, I think. Put on the radio. Listen to something. I listen to talk radio a lot. This time they came on there. They said, they were talking about how, how you need to put a word in your heart and keep a word in your heart for that week and pray about it. And I thought that was kind of silly but until I prayed about it. I'm like, God, what do you have for me? What word do you have for me, Lord. And he spoke something to me. And I was like, that makes no sense at all. What are you trying to say? Until I looked up the definition. And he spoke to me again. Anybody want to guess the word? I did this first service. And man, it's like, like people are going to yell out words. I don't know why I asked that. The word was this. was parasite. God spoke so clearly. Parasite. I'm like, I know a parasite. Until I looked up the definition, it says this. An organism that lives in another organism, its host, and it benefits by deriving the nutrients at the host expense. The derogatory definition of this, the, the blunt way of just saying this, it's in, it's in the dictionary. And you can look it up. It says this. A person who habitually relies on or exploits others and gives nothing in return. You know, we're gonna, we might go through failure, but we need to evaluate if we're, if we're not giving anything back in life. It makes sense that God spoke this to me because our nation's full of parasites. It sounds so dirty, it sounds so bad, like it's a sickness. Everyone wanted to take, take, take and not give anything back. That's why I, was, I told a man, I said, I'm going to preach this with the adults. And she's like, no, you can't do that. It, it, this is a good word. Amen. The church, the church, capital C, universal. It's full of parasites. That's why the church doesn't grow. Too many people in the church rely on the small percentage to do all the work while they're sucking it out of the host expense. I believe in greatness in this church. I can't control what other churches do. God gave me this word. Pray. Pray for opportunities. I'm not saying, saying you've got to give, give with money. Look at time that you can give. We've got Sunday schools. We've, the, the possibilities for this church are endless. This isn't this is why the church doesn't grow though. 
Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Same Jesus that, that came, He got on His hands and knees and washed, washed His disciples' feet. He served. Servanthood. You know, what are we when we're at the church? Are we a parasite or are we a part of the host? Are we understanding success after our failures? I can say this because I'm guilty of it. I went to church camp. When, when I was younger and I was slain in the Spirit, God called me in the ministry. And I ran from that calling because I chose fear. What was I given in return? I wasn't given anything. I kept it for myself. I, I was filled with His presence. I was filled with His glory. And I just lay there. I took it. And I didn't give it to anybody else. How often times do we, we pray for that, that gooey feeling for God and His presence, but we don't want to share it with anybody? Man. I'm coming down here. I'm doing it. We we had we had a sign up. We had a sign up for um, an outreach kind of thing. Um, Jared Brothers from uh, the the Christian Church Church of God whatever called me, and he said, uh, "Would you guys be interested in doing this?" And I said, "Yeah," and he gave me some dates that we could use for it. And I was like, "All right, we can't do this day. We can't do this day." He goes, "Well, technically, he goes a lot of." Ministries try to stay away from the fifth because that's right after the fourth and that's the dirtiest. And I said, that's the only one that's going to work for me. So we'll do the fifth. So I brought a sign-up sheet. I talked to the kids. I talked to them. Let's go serve. We got 13 names signed up on that. I should have known there was a problem when there was more names on, on that than the turkey run trip. But there was, there was two students we had, Levi and Gage. I don't, they're not even here today. But they're sitting over here. I walked up and I said, hey, you guys want to come help us serve? You know, they, maybe you don't know how they are, but they're like, oh, okay, yeah. Huh. You know, <laughs> the teenage guy thing. All right. And I said, you know what? I bet you, I bet you a dollar that you won't come out to this. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I bet you a dollar that that we show up. Okay, it's on. So July fifth, I wake up, get ready, go out to Powell's Building Center, buy fourteen pairs of gloves for these kids because I'm going to protect their hands. I got all the all the garbage bags ready. I pull in the church for a quick stop. Lo and behold, here comes Gage and Levi walking around the corner. It's like eighty degrees, and they're in their sweatshirt. I don't get it. That's weird. <laughs> wear, your, wear your sweatshirts in the fall or the winter. So I said, well, at least we're going to have two. We'll have two show up today. So they get in the car. I take them down. Everyone was supposed to meet at the uh, park anyways. I have no idea who I was looking for. They told me. He said, go look for uh, his names, uh, Henry and George. What? Henry and George. 
most common names ever. Now I go up, I just see a couple of guys. I said, is anyone Henry or George? Some guys, I'm Henry. He walks up, explains to me, this is what we're going to do. We're going to clean all this. And it's like, I knew we were going to do that. And he goes, just go park somewhere and just start. And I'm like, okay. I don't know why I parked where I did. Besides, I felt like parking there. And I went up and I parked. And as I was pulling in, I saw, I saw money laying on the ground. So I opened up my thing and I got that money before those two kids. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you found that? Oh. I just threw it in my car, not even thinking anything of it. And I said, whatever, we'll go work. Maybe you guys find some. And as I was working, God spoke to me. He said, I provide, Zach. I'm like, what? He goes, you bet those two kids, $2 a piece. And that's exactly how much money was there. It was two bucks, right where I parked. But it gets better than that. And I know God provides. And this is a story for, for me. And this is a story that God's moving still. And he's, he's, it's so good. On those, you know how all different states, the states that print off money has the, their lettering or whatever. I kid you not, the lettering on that, there was an L for Levi, and the other one was a G for Gage. <laughs> Think about that. Chances, chances of those two being the only ones showing up that day, of, of me parking where I parked, $2 exactly. Someone left it the night before. Nobody found that to take it. God said, I will provide. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're, we're, we're to not be a parasite and just serve so we can receive a blessing. But we do it so, so God can bless us back and say, here, this is something small. Here's your two bucks. And quit gambling with the kids. <laughs> Just two dollars, right? <laughs> now we've we've got to forgive ourselves. There's 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 too much at stake. There's there's a there's a lot of souls out there. And we gotta make it smaller. Make we gotta we gotta go after our community first our church, our classrooms. And we've got to forgive ourselves first. If there's, if there's failure in your past, if Satan just keeps bringing up things after, and you're full of discouragement, we've got to get rid of that. Absolutely, we've got to get rid of that. You know, First John... One nine says this: says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." It's that easy. That easy. All we gotta do is confess our sins, and He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins, and He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Satan still, with his discouragement. Tries to keep us distracted. 
It keeps throwing obstacles in our way because something's right around the corner. Can you imagine if all of us, if all of us in this room, if we were strong enough in our prayer life and and when we were tempted and we didn't we didn't fail? Because something is right around the corner, and how focused our minds would be, and we'd all be in one body of Christ and of one mind. Can you imagine what we can do? That's when the community will change. First Peter five seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He does, he loves us. Second Corinthians five, seventeen through eighteen says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ He reconciled us to Himself, and He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. First off, we've got we've to forgive ourselves. Well, we've got to forgive others. We, we can't hold on to stupid pity and bitterness. What better way for Satan to distract you when something is right around the corner? Amen. That's just a few verses I've read here. Just a few. It's full of God speaking to us. We've got to go after Him, though. We can't, we can't continue to make church routine. You make it routine, you don't get the protein out of it. Lastly, we've got to be filled with love. We've got to have a burden. I don't know why I messaged my friend when I did. Besides, I love him. I didn't know he was an atheist. Makes me love him that much more. Knowing that's a soul perishing. Where, where is our love? Where's our, where's our anguish? Do we even know the meaning of anguish anymore? A deep, a deep hurt? We get life, life jobs, everything. We get, we get too busy. We get so distracted with what's really important. We've got to first have a, we've got to have a burden. Nothing's going to change if we don't have a burden or a soul for our family or our friends. For the community, for the church. Last verse, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 
We've got to know our value. We've got to know what we are worth. We're a child of the King. And Satan, he's a punk. He's just going to keep hitting you when you're down. Saying you're not worthy. Discouragement, discourage. It's at that point when we, when we beat our temptations, we'll be able to reflect on who Jesus is. People will be drawn to us. There's going to be a love in you, there'll be a love in me, and it's going to overflow. I was, I was in Danville a few weeks ago, and it was right after all these Black Lives Matter protesting, uh, cops being shot. And I was in Danville, and the black community is a little bigger over there, if you haven't ever been over there. But as I was there, I was, I was in my car, and I just felt just, just such a tenderness in my heart, seeing everybody, knowing we're all child, children of God, we're all children of the King. I remember pulling, pulling in just a little too far, I went past the the sidewalk, whatever. And I saw this, this elderly black woman in her little scooter coming this way, and I'm like, I need to get out of her way. So I remember, I, I remember just backing up, getting out of the way. But by the time I get out of the way, I got the light, and she's halfway across. But God said, that's nothing. Just a few seconds, Zach. And I, I, I could see on her face that she, she knew she shouldn't be going across by that time because it was my turn to go. It was just the decision to, to wave at her and smile. She just waved and smiled back. That sounds so, it might sound so stupid, but that meant something to me. We're all in this together. Yeah, I was right. I could have been like, well, what did that have accomplished? That's what's wrong with the world. We're, we're, we're all right and everyone else is wrong, right? I, d- I didn't know how I was going to end this. I'm going to just end it how I did first service. There's, if anybody... It's just struggling with, with something in their lives. If, if, if you can't get past something that's happened in your past, why don't we leave it at the altar today? If Amanda didn't want me to mention the parasite because my, 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 my tone was harsh and I wasn't saying it just for our church, but the, the entire church, this country, you can't say that. It's the Word of God. Are we a parasite? Are we a part of the thriving host? I'm just, I'm just the messenger. I just say it. The Holy Spirit with the deep conviction. He's the one that grips your heart. And He's the one that makes you want to change. Not me. These are just these are just words until you understand that there's power in the Holy Spirit. 
So I'm just going to open up the altars at this time. If anybody just wants to get rid of filth in their life, if, if, if God's calling them to something right now you don't even know, just come up. He's going to speak to you. And we've got to get over that fear of what He will say to us. Some of us run from that also. So at this time, if, if you want to just enter into God's presence, come.